This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, June 12th. Hey, hey, how's it going? Are you did you did you feel like last week was um oh, what's the like a like you were in a blender a little bit? Yeah, it felt like kind of a blur. Like at the end of the week all games just kind of ran together in a sense of you just knew you were doing a game, but you didn't quite know if it was baseball or softball. You didn't know if you were going to Pierce or if you are going to Minnewaska, if you were going to Pillager or wherever, or even Mankato. Uh, but it was a fun week. There were some moments I didn't have. I didn't have the the geographical um, uh, issues. I, in that, I also didn't even remember where games were until I knew I had to be here, mm-hmm. and then. It was time to check in with you, and then you would come on and do your pregame show, and you would be like, "We're we're at Minnewaska Area High School for whatever we're here for." Like, oh yeah, that's right. Thank goodness. Thank goodness he picked the right spot. <laughs> there have been. Have you ever had that where you driven where you're driving to a game and you start to drive one way and you're like, "Wait, uh-huh. game is not there." Almost every time I do a game that's not local. Like in Let's a local, not local. directly in the town I live in. <laughs> oh boy! There was one time I was driving to a playoff, uh, a volleyball game, and I was driving. It was supposed to be in Crosby, and uh, for whatever reason, I had Pequot Lakes in my mind, so I was going north on three seventy one, and I was like, realizing, I'm like, wait a second, I didn't leave Brainerd, but I was just like, wait, uh huh, this is not the way to go. <laughs> this is bad. So I had to, t- so I, you know, take the wise road and cut across, and, my, and everything's fine. But. My uh, my my greatest fear though is. Like if you pick the wrong town, mm-hmm. at least you can be like, "Well, that was embarrassing," but there's nothing I can do about it. Uh huh. My greatest fear is getting the time wrong. Yeah, that's also true. You know what I mean? Like you think you're, it's especially like section tournament time. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you're getting there for an eight o'clock game, but then somewhere somehow a time change. Or they played the first game at six, uh-huh. or or and it happens a lot in the spring, right? Where it's like this game's scheduled for four thirty, but then um, the morning of you find out it's a it's an eleven o'clock game instead, and that is my probably my biggest fear is I just get the time wrong somewhere, mm-hmm. and then what are you supposed? You show to up do? halfway through a game and you just kind of like, huh, that's not good. Am I gonna call two innings of this thing and come home? Or are we going to put a bow on, or are we just going to... Say forget it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then lie to everyone? <laughs> got a flat tire. I hit a deer. I got sick last... Technical, di- <laughs> technical difficulty. Technical difficulty. What am I going to do about this? That's my. I think that was my biggest... Because, yeah, once you drive to the wrong town, you're just like, well, this isn't happening. <laughs> you just turn around with your tail between your legs and go home. But if you show up late... To a game already in progress, you're like, oh, no. I had that happen when I worked in TV all the time. It was like you had to be in a certain spot, and a lot of times you were interviewing somebody, so they were taking time out of their schedule to talk with you. So you had to make sure to be on time and make sure you were in the right spot and find places, and I was terrible at finding some spots, especially ones that you couldn't easily punch into your Google Maps. Yeah. Awful. Awful trying to find some of those places, uh, but uh-huh. and like you've been, I've been late for some. I've, but I've liked to think that I never actually flat out missed an interview. 
but there was a camera guy we had at the TV station I worked at, and his job was, they said, he's a photographer, and they're like, hey, man, you get the keys today, and we're going to send you, like, two and a half hours out of town. You're going to go up to, like, Grand Marais, and you're going to shoot a bunch of awesome footage, and you're going to get a bunch of stories in that area, and you just get the whole day. Like, you don't have to turn anything over today. You get, like, a bunch of time to, the whole day you get to shoot and collect interviews and do all that, and he got up there to Grand Marais, and realized he forgot the entire camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoops. Oops. So that's if you want to talk about like a tail between your legs kind of moment, you gain nothing out of nothing. Absolutely nothing out of that. Nothing because guess what? It, in five hours you can be back. Yeah. When everything you're there to cover is done. Exactly. And you're just you just come Sticks. back. You come back and hope that they find something for you to do in the last couple hours of your shift when you get home. Yep. Because what, you're not going to bum around for a while and say, oh, I forgot the camera. You pretty no. much have to tell them right away. No, you, can you imagine that? Like, It's like uh, uh, in Napoleon Dynamite when he drives over the Tupperware and it breaks, and he just goes, dang it, and has to drive away. It's that same, <laughs> oh, no. All right, I'm done. Right. I'm done for the day. All right. Well, it was a fun five minutes in Grand Marais. That phone call that you got to make, it's got to be the worst. Well, especially because you line up interviews sometimes on the way. Like you would look at a couple businesses and you'd call them ahead of time while you're driving down. Right. So you could get some stuff prepared and lined <laughs> up and, and nope. He's also the same guy who drove a drone over Lake Superior and the battery died. So he also had to have that conversation. Awesome. With the, the station drone is sitting at the bottom of frigid Lake Superior. We had to call the Coast Guard to get our drone because I forgot <laughs> to change the battery. It's the it's the uh, screenshot of Michael Scott from The Office when he says, I drove my car into the bleeping lake <laughs> and just replaced that with drone. <laughs> I flew my drone into the bleeping lake. So you didn't get lost in state softball, did you? No, I did not. I got down there uh, plenty of time. I was able to kind of sit and just absorb it all because you kind of just need a little bit of time to take in everything that's going on. Yeah. And yeah, it was a lot of fun getting to, to go down there. Uh, Monaga, their second straight year. Now they had a, a tough draws. They drew the two seated uh, Badger Greenbush middle river uh, perennial state softball team. Always. They, they're always there. They take care of business and uh, yeah, they took care of business. They won 10 to nothing in six innings. And then in the second game, uh, Monaga had to play new Ulm cathedral uh, and New Ulm Cathedral also uh, came away uh, in that game winning. So Monaga did not get a third game, but two straight state softball appearances, and they're a young enough team, uh, there's a good chance that they could try for a three-peat. Awesome. That'd be so cool, wouldn't it? Right. Congratulations to Monaga. Another great year. It's very, I don't know, man. It's exciting. That state softball tournament is a really, really neat experience. I've said it many, many times. If you've never been to state softball, you should go. It's chaos in it's, the best way possible. Right. And it's like, oh, my game's delayed an hour, but I can just go watch this other game in the meantime. Yeah, you sit I, under, you know, it, it, there's a lot of like um, track and field vibes to state softball. Yeah. You're sitting under canopies. You're sitting around with your team. You're watching other people. You're cheering. You're doing, it, it's just, um, uh, or, or like even just reminiscent of like Saturday elementary tournament, you know, uh -huh. like, like little league type stuff. I think it's really cool. It's really, it's really fun. And you know, the one thing is too, is, uh, when I got done with the second game of Monaga, Uppsala had their 
second game because they upset the one-seeded Randolph in the first round. Crazy. And they were playing Edgerton Southwest Minnesota Christian. Who, again, is always there. Always there. And it was uh, I caught a few innings of that game, but it was I was tired. I wanted to go back to my hotel room. So uh, I did not catch the entire game, but... That's the whole point of like, you're just in there. You're in it. You can watch all four classes of softball at once and get to, uh, and get to enjoy it. So I want to look at this, uh, I want to look at the state bracket here quickly. It's uh, my page for whatever reason. It's it's impossible while you're looking. Uh, It's impossible to not, like you said, look up and, and pick up another game like you really when it's time to leave you literally have to just put your head down and start walking because if you start catching games as you're walking past it's you're gonna just find yourself watching a game you're gonna find somebody and there's it's it's very chaotic every time i've been down there uh oh here's 12 people i know and Mm -hmm. i'm compelled by I don't know, it's seemingly gravity to stop and talk to every person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. You just gotta like you you put on the blinders and, and and you have and you just gotta walk out. But while you're walking out, you're walking by you're walking between four home plates and I don't know, five thousand people. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of chaos. Uh, in that, uh, Uppsala did lose 2-1 to one to Edgerton Southwest Minnesota Christian, that semifinal game. Edgerton Southwest Minnesota Christian won the state title over Badger Greenbush Middle River 10-5. to five. So Monaga, in both of their first round state tournament games, have drawn a team that has went on to the state championship game. Yep, that's tough. And go. That's, that's how she goes sometimes. Tough draw. <laughs> Um, we officially wrapped our high school sports coverage for the year with our um, state softball coverage. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess just very quickly, I do want to thank uh, everybody in this building for all of their uh, great coverage throughout the year, especially you, especially these last couple of weeks. Uh, if you want to know, in the last three weeks of the season, it... Um, all section tournament stuff. Uh huh. We got seventeen events in. Dang. Like I'm, I'm trying to think. Let me see if I can find the date off the top of my head. If you go back to, if you go to, like the twenty third, May twenty third through June. When were you done? June eighth. Yeah. May twenty third through June eighth. So not quite two weeks. A little over, not quite three weeks, with we seventeen events. Yeah, and they all have. I mean, we were talking literally every night in that middle, in that middle week. So it was, um, it was a bananas couple of weeks. We averaged from September first to June eighth. We averaged just over two and a half events per week. Wow, and that does not. I mean. That's literally just the straight up math. It should not include the basically two weeks now week where there's nothing over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weeks in between seasons where we don't have anything. Yep. Um, it had it took nothing into account the weeks, especially starting this spring, where we probably had three weeks before we could really kind of get out and really dive into it. Yeah. So we're we're talking about averaging um 
with all the games we did from September 1st to June 8th, we're talking about averaging three games a week for an entire season. Um, we're, I think we should be really proud of that and what we do, and I think we do a really good job, continue to do a really good job like we always have. Um, a big thank you to uh, all the, the ADs and coaches and athletes, obviously. Uh, a huge thank you to all of our advertisers who made another year of high school sports happen. We really, really uh, appreciate it. And uh, if you listen to even four seconds of any game throughout the entire year, thank you so much. It's it, it's it's probably my favorite part of the job. I'm I think you probably think the same. Being able to go to these games, yeah, it's really cool. We're able to do this. It's a lot of fun. And you know, when we talk with management every single year, and uh, the the topic of high school sports come up, their biggest thing is you guys. This is a big like it's a big boon for the station. It's part of our identity and to get to do it for another year and how successful it was awesome all right now let's let's flip it we got all the positivity out of the way okay go ahead and tell me about emilio pagan okay well i think i could tell it to you or or i could just uh really uh let his game do the talking and the 2-0 pitch, a swing and a fly ball, right center field trouble. Taylor going back at the wall, Blue Jays lead. Three-run homer, Kevin Biggio, and Toronto on one swing leads 7-6. to six. The Twins were winning 6-4, to four. and Emilio Pagan comes into the bottom of the eighth inning, and look, situations tailor-made. He's got the 7-8-9 hitters all due up. The other Twins relievers have been, have been solid, uh, filling in for the rest for the earlier part of the game, and Emilio Pagan gives up single, single, crushed, monster, three-run home run, twi- and then gets to the top of the Blue Jays lineup and retires them one, two, three. Because that's the story of Emilio Pagan. The last home run he gave up was the grand slam at Dodger Stadium also in a similar situation. My point is, Corey, is that no matter how good, because I've heard a lot of smart Twins fans on Twitter say that Emilio Pagan was going through a scoreless inning streak and he's been a really good reliever lately, and I just have no patience for that because underneath any good stretch that Pagan has is that to completely wreck a ball game, and he's done that multiple times this year. He did that multiple times last year. Uh, I just... I. I know he's been a very contentious point, and there's nothing personal against the guy. From all accounts, he seems like a good teammate, good dude, whatever, but it's just not working in Minnesota. It's just, no matter where he goes, even if he has success, it doesn't matter because it's just not working here. Um, no, yeah, of course it's not personal. We don't know the guy. Sure, he's an awesome. Well, I mean, it's, I, I, we've ragged on him a lot. I don't, so. th- I, I mean this without any, like, like, I, I mean this with total indifference. I don't, I don't care yeah. about that part of it. That's not, I'm not like rooting for, hey, fella, you can do it, partner. Like, he's been bad. He's been bad for the, it's like, you know that that vibe you get like, uh-oh, the Twins have the bases loaded with less than two outs, mm-hmm. and this is going to end poorly. You know that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach? It's the same thing when Pagan pitches. It's the same feeling when a Vikings kicker comes on to, uh, to make a field goal in the waning moments of a game. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel good. That's he doesn't make me feel good on the insides. <laughs> sure, the Vikings kicker is sure Gary Anderson didn't miss a field goal all year, but you know, he what's the what's the worst that could happen here? Uh, anyway, Emilio Pagan needs to go. I could touch into this more in detail, but I'm just 
I, I get it. I get it. Uh, the, the, the case has been made. You know, there's a pitcher in AAA that, who's, that they would call up. He's probably not going to be much better than Pagan. To which I agree, you're probably right. But it, you just you can't have a guy who actively loses you games still be on the roster like this, especially when he's in a very expendable position as a middle reliever. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, June 12th.